Well, hey, everybody, and a very big welcome to you. It's awesome that you could join us from wherever you are in the world as we continue the Mirror Mirror series, taking a look at how we put down the things that prevent us from being who God says we are. Before we jump into this session's message, let's pray together, and then we'll get stuck right into the Word and what God is saying to you today, wherever you are in the world. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you bring us together from all over the world. You teach us, you edify us, you grow us, you shape us, and you make us better every single time you touch us. Father, thank you that you are a God that cares for us, wants to lift us up, doesn't want us wallowing in inadequacies, doesn't want us stuck on mediocrity. No, you're wanting to move us from glory to glory and that we can see who you see us by looking at you, by unveiling who you are and the glory of who you are. Father, thank you for being that glorious God. Thank you for loving us, even though we were sinners. And Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son so that we could have life. And we pray this prayer right now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people all around the world said amen and amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're having a look at the Mirror Mirror series. This is part three. If you've missed the other parts, hey, there's a link in the chat room. There's a banner right now that you can click on and you can bookmark those other videos, those other messages for part one and part two. We are having a look at a series which helps us understand that we are not the labels that we've given ourselves. We are not what people say we are. We are not what the world says we are. We are much more than just what names we've called ourselves or what other people have called us. In fact, we've had a look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, and we're going to have a look at that scripture in a little bit more detail today. But Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 ends by saying that we have the appropriate self-esteem, that we get into a rhythm where we are in an appropriate level of self-esteem, where we can make a balance between thinking too little of ourselves or thinking too much of ourselves? How do we get into the balance? And what we often do as human beings is we put certain things up. We put up walls. We put up masks. Hey, maybe you like me. You, you like walking into a room and, and with the people around you, the people that are, are there need to get a certain impression of you and you try and maintain that impression because you don't want people to know that you're nervous about walking into a new room. Maybe, maybe you really like me and, and when you're walking into an awkward situation, well, you get involved in telling a whole lot of jokes or you use humor to keep people away because you don't want them knowing exactly what you're thinking or what you're feeling. We put up these walls. Crazy thing is, is we don't only do that with people. We do that with God too. We do that and we put up walls because we know that God says we are awesome. We know that God says we are blessed. We know that God says we are good and true and have been adopted into his family. But when we don't feel like that, when we don't feel like the promised, blessed child of God that he's called us, we put up walls between him. No, he obviously doesn't love me. No, I'm not obviously good enough. And slowly but surely, we put up these walls and barriers. Uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 calls those walls and barriers a veil. And we can't quite see clearly what God genuinely thinks of us, genuinely thinks of us. We can't see what he really thinks about us because we're putting up these, these veils which are trying to tell God who we are when we're not that because we are what God says we are, if I'm making any sense. And what happens is, is we slowly but surely begin to believe the, the, the veil. We slowly but surely begin to believe the walls and the barriers that we've put up. 
and we don't believe what God says we are. And so we have been going through a journey of ripping down these veils, putting down these certain barriers that we put up between us and God so that we can see and hear clearly of what He thinks about us and we can walk in the right balance of self-esteem. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and more importantly reflect the glory of the Lord. That's why the series is entitled Mirror, Mirror. We are to look at our reflection in the mirror and not see our reflection, but see the glory of God and what He says that we are. The glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And so we've been taking a look week after week. What are these veils that we need to put down? What are the barriers that we need to put down? The very first one we had a look at was that we needed to put down our feelings of inadequacy, thinking that we've got too little, we're not good enough. Well, that's on the one side of having an unbalanced self-esteem. If you think about it, if I think too little of myself, I'm never good enough. I'll never amount to much. I'll never do anything. We're on the far scale of our self-esteem. And Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says we are to have the appropriate self-esteem. So we needed to start pulling that back, pulling back our feelings of inadequacies to get into balance. But then we had a look at the other side of the, the, the self-esteem when we thought so much of ourselves that we always thought we were right we always thought we were right and we had too much control. Remember last session we had a look at control freak. And I was quite open with you as regards my desire to control the Wi-Fi in my home. My desire to control uh, the speed of internet. And I've got everything wired and labeled and, and noted so that I can get the best possible Wi-Fi speeds in my home. And may the Lord have mercy on your soul. If you come along with a device and start downloading and start doing things on my Wi-Fi that disrupts my Wi-Fi download speeds, and I needed to take control over that. I was a control freak. We realize that in control freak, we sometimes think too much of ourselves because we think that we write, and that's why we have to be in control. But the other side of being a control freak was that, hey, we are in control because we don't want the worst to happen to us, and we put up the barriers because we want to protect ourselves from hurt of the past. I wanted to take that thought, the hurt of the past, and have a look at the next session of what is it that we need to put down to reflect the glory of God in our lives. And this, this session, we wanted to take a look at saying, well, we're going to put down our right to be offended. And next week, we're going to take a look at probably the most hard-hitting messages in the series, our longing for approval. Today, though, let's take a look at our right to be offended. Ever felt like you had a right to be offended? Just driving here this morning, I believe that I had a genuine right to be offended. Somebody overtook me on the highway and stopped and slowed down in front of me slower than what I was going when they overtook me. How dare that person come roaring past me and then jam on brakes and travel at half the speed limit after they'd overtaken me. They disrupted my rhythm. They disrupted my vehicle. They disrupted my pattern of getting to the studio this morning. And how dare they? How dare they do what they did? Have you ever felt like that? I got a pet peeve in traffic. And, and man, if you want to see me offended, it's a big thing for me. If I'm driving along the road and somebody needs to get into the traffic and I am the superhero, 
that stops and lets somebody come in front of me. Everybody else drove past you. Everybody else didn't let you in. Everybody else just ignored you. But no, I was the superhero. I was the God-ordained Christian that would show patience and love and mercy and indicate for you to come in and show you that you are first and I am last and, and I am humble and you must be promoted. And, and when I do that and I let that person in on the traffic and, and I am Jesus Christ in my vehicle and I let you in and then and you do not even say thank you to your hero. And above not saying thank you, you drive slowly in front of me again when I've just let you in the traffic. How dare you not say thank you? How dare you not just give me a wave in your rearview mirror? How dare you not just flash your, your emergency blinkers? How dare you not say thank you? I was the epitome of Jesus in the traffic, and now you have completely obliterated my good deed. How dare you? I have a right to be offended. Man, we can get offended at the most ridiculous things, don't we? We can get offended at the most silly things. Why do we allow these small offenses like somebody in front of you in the traffic affect us in such a big way? Why is it that we have this desire, and I'm not really going to unpack taking offense today and, and releasing yourself from offense. If you, if you really want to unpack this in greater detail, Pastor Dwayne, our senior pastor, has got an incredible series on taking offense, and the links are being provided for you right now. I, I want to really discuss today, why is it that we have this desire, this right to think that we can be offended? It all comes down to our egos, we let small things become big because our egos are telling us that we always have to be right and we always have to win. We always have to be right and we always have to win. The world is continually telling you that you've got to become better. You've got to be on top of the pile. You've got to be on top of the mountain. You've got to be the best you can be. You've got, you got to win. You've got to be first. Survival of the fittest. You've got to be on top of the pile. The only thing that we don't consider is what God considers when it comes to our ego. You see, God says, and he understands, that if you are a winner, there has to be a loser. If you are right, well, then someone is going to be called wrong. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes think, I don't stop and think to myself, well, if I'm right... That makes that person wrong. And who am I to judge between right and wrong? And so we get into this, this momentum of me wanting to be right spurs you on not to be wanting to be right because you don't want to be wrong. And if I'm right, then you're wrong. And if you're right, then I'm wrong. And so we get into this ego cold war. I, I might even go to a place where I'm, I'm calling that person who's now driving slowly and didn't thank me in the traffic. I'm calling that person all sorts of names. And that person doesn't even know that I'm calling him wrong and that I'm saying I'm right. He doesn't even know that I'm saying I should go first. I should be the winner. He doesn't even know these things. But let me tell you something. If we ever had to have a conversation, that conversation would probably escalate to argument. That argument would probably escalate to road rage. And 
who knows where it would go from there? Because the moment we have conflict, one person is trying to be win, to be a winner, and the other person is trying to one-up them all the time. And slowly but surely, we're escalating violence. We're escalating argument. We're escalating the disagreement. And so egos start to create this offense. This escalation of the battle becomes offense. And the more we build it, the, more, the greater the issue becomes in our lives. And we forget that it started by somebody not saying thank you. It started by somebody arriving at your home in a bad mood. It started by a word that was heard wrongly, uh, an expression that was said that we didn't understand. It starts with something so small, but because our egos are egging us on to be right, to be first, to be the winners, this escalates and escalates and escalates. And slowly but surely, small things become major, major issues. We have to be right we have to be true. We have to be there. We have to be the winner. Well, that means that someone else has to be wrong and someone else has to lose. And so what do we do? We put up this wall. I have a right to be offended. You have done me grievous wrong and I have a right to be offended. Have a look at what Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11 says. You can open up your notes tab, open up your YouVersion Bible apps. Have a look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his, say it with me, it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Now with that scripture it is to man's glory to overlook an offense. I want you to flick back in the notes and have a look at 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 again, the theme scripture of our series. Have a look at how it starts. It says, we've had that veil removed so that we can see and reflect the what? Say it with me. The glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into what? Say it with me, New Zealand folk from New Zealand. We are changed more into His glorious image. You see, when we're thinking about the glorious image, when we're thinking about the glory of God, the scripture here in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11 is very clear that if we wanted to have the veil removed and we want to see the glory of God, if we want to see all that He is in us, if we wanted to be all that He says that we are, have a look. It says it will only start reflecting glory when we do what? When we overlook an offense. Overlook an offense. No, but we are quick to judge and we are therefore hidden from the glory of God. We are quick to call a foul so we are hidden from the glory of God. We are quick to be offended so we are hidden from the glory of God. We are slow to overlook an offense and therefore we are slow to reflect the glory of who God is in our lives and what He says that we are. When we are quick to cause offense and not overlook a hurt, we are in fact creating a veil between the glory of God and our lives. And I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want anything to get in the way of the glory of God being reflected in my life. But we so quickly allow traffic to prevent the glory of God to reflect in our lives. We so quickly allow people in a bad mood to stop, to stop us reflecting the glory of God. You see, we're not asking people, we're not making, I'm not trying to say that to overlook means that we must say it didn't happen. Overlook isn't the same as pretending it didn't happen. No, it's a conscious decision to let it go. 
It's a conscious decision to acknowledge that it happened, but I'm not going to hold it against you. Uh, it's a conscious decision to say, I know it happened. I'm aware of it happening. I'm aware of the hurt it caused me, but I'm going to cling on. I'm going to hold on to the forgiveness. I'm going to hold on to the mercy. I'm going to hold on to the grace. I'm not going to hold on to the hurt and the uncomfortable atmosphere that is created when the two of us are in the same room. That word in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11 paints an incredible picture in my mind when it says it is to his glory to overlook the offense. Overlook. When I think about overlooking, I think about stories um, in my life and, and things that happened in my life. We, we had a number of mountains in the town that I grew up in, Cape Town, South Africa. It's got a beautiful mountain. In fact, you can look it up. It's one of the, the, the wonders of the world. It's called Table Mountain. And uh, you could go up onto some of these peaks and some of these passes. And, and as you overlook the city, things look so small from up there. Things look so small from, from that mountain. There's a whole lot of stories going along. And you can see the vehicles going and people going to work and people doing their thing. But from up there, all of that noise, all of that, that issue, all of that story looks so small. And when I have a look at that, that scripture in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11, it just reminds me of, of being on one of those lookouts on the mountain and, and overlooking and being way up above the noise. In fact, that even takes me to a thought process of, of once I was being dropped off at the airport in, in Johannesburg and I needed to fly somebody somewhere on business. And, and because this person, in my mind, had arrived to collect me to go to the airport and they were deliberately late, you know that people usually pick you up to be deliberately late. When you're in a fence, everything's deliberate against you, right? Everybody's got it out for you. And so we, we, we traveled to the airport, and I didn't miss one plane. I didn't miss two planes. I finally got on the third plane, and, and that had been delayed, and there was a whole lot of issues. And if I just got there on time, I would have already been home before I'd even taken off. And there was a whole lot of mess around the fact that these people had been deliberately late, and as I took off from that airport in Johannesburg, and as the plane took off, I looked back down on the car lot where all the cars were parked, thinking, I wonder which one of those cars is, 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 is leaving. And that, that's the person that just dropped me off at the airport late. And, and as we took off, the issue of me being late got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It wasn't that the issue, it wasn't that the airport, it wasn't that the people who dropped me off were fading away. No, they were still there. But as I rose towards the heavens, the issue got smaller and smaller and smaller. I was finally on my way. I wasn't still trapped in the traffic. I wasn't still trapped in the motor vehicle that was late. No, now as I rose towards the heavens in the, in the airplane, uh, that issue got smaller and smaller and smaller. In fact, that scripture that says to overlook is also the Hebrew word used to pass over. It is our, to our glory to pass over, to fly above, to get above the issue so that it can become smaller and smaller. Maybe somebody called you a liar. Maybe somebody called you a cheater. Maybe somebody said that you had stolen from them. Maybe somebody had made a false accusation. And so because of what they have done to you, you categorize that person. You tell them what you are. You give them a label. You give them the label of gossip. You give them the label of slanderer. You give them the label of liar. You give them a label. And 
and slowly but surely, you stay on the ground because you're giving these people onus in your life. They're giving them space in your life. Your plane is never going to get off the ground. You're never going to get altitude if you keep looking at those things, if you keep making those things big in your life. The only way you're going to make sure that that issue of being called a liar, of being called a cheater, of doing the wrong things in your life, the, the right to take offense will only start to fade away when we magnify the glory of God. When we lift ourselves up towards heaven, we can take off, we can get altitude when we don't magnify the things that cause our offense, but magnify the one that gets us over our offense. When we start having a look at the process of dwelling in the offense, we are always going to be grounded. But when we can lift ourselves up and start reflecting the glory of God, well, then we don't no longer holding a label. Because when we reflect the issue of offense, it's incredible. As humans, we can hold a label over somebody for a lifetime because of a mistake somebody made in the moment. We can hold a label over somebody for a lifetime because of the mistake that somebody made in the moment. And when we have a look at the process of getting altitude, Luke chapter 6 and verse 36 tells us how we can do that. Be merciful, it says, just as your father is merciful. Be merciful, it says, just as your father is merciful. When we start looking towards the heavens, when we start gaining altitude towards God, we are able to start reflecting the quality not of offense, but of mercy. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Wow. That whole process of, of just not holding a label against somebody, not, not, not labeling other people, may be your very first step in getting altitude. Maybe you need to sit down today and say, you know what? I have been dwelling in this place of calling people things and giving them a label and always telling them, you know what? If you don't like people labeling you, why are you labeling others? And you need to get some altitude in your life. Well, the first thing that you can do to get some altitude in your life is not labeling others. Rather, label them with mercy. Rather, give them the name merciful. Rather, rather give them that they are not to be judged. Don't condemn people and give them a label. So if you're looking to get up out of this quagmire of offense, the first thing you need to do is stop pe calling people names. Even in the traffic, even wherever you are, stop calling them by a name that they are not. They are not what you call them to be, just as you are not what others call you to be. So stop being others. Stop being what other people have called you and stop being that to other people. Stop labeling others. Have a look at the next thing that you can do if you wish to get up out of this place of offense. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, we've read that scripture this, today already when it says, For by the grace given me, and then Paul goes on to explain to us about how we should have the right measure or the right balance of self-esteem. It says in that scripture, For by the grace that God has given me, Paul had received much grace. And because of the grace that Jesus Christ had given Paul, Paul could stand up and give others grace. 
So the next thing you might want to be doing, if you're looking to rise up out of this quagmire of offense, besides saying, I will not label others, the next thing you need to do is to start giving others the benefit of the doubt. Give them some grace. In a situation, there's always two sides to every story, right? You've used that with your kids. You've used that with others. Oh, there's always two sides to every story. Well, the incredible thing that because of Jesus Christ, two sides to every story is they sandwich grace. There's always grace that will exist between those two stories. There's always a space for grace when Jesus Christ is there. There's always a space to give the benefit of the doubt to others. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2. Just for a moment, if I had stopped in that traffic, as that person came in front of me and didn't say thank you, as the person overtook me and then slowed down, in that moment, if I could have just stopped and asked, I wonder why they did that. I wonder why they did that. Just by asking that question, I'm giving them mercy. I might not get their story right. I might not get the whole story correct as it actually happened. But even just by asking that question, even if you want to stop for a moment and make up a story. Hey, this guy overtook me and then slowed down because maybe he knows there's a traffic officer down the road. And if I continued at my speed, he would get me caught. Maybe that's the story. Just by asking the question, I wonder why they did that. I wonder what their story is. You have created space to give others the benefit of the doubt. They might be having a bad day. They might be distracted. They might be going through a misunderstanding. They might have had to take a telephone call. They might have had to hear news they didn't want to hear. They might have had to. They might have had to. They might have had to. Even if you have to make it up, ask the question, hey, I wonder why they did what they just did. There must be a story about it. And I've often said this, we know that when the football team huddle in the middle of the field, they're not talking about you. You see, we have this crazy thing that we think that everybody's story is actually out to get you. It's actually about you because you need to be right. You need to be first. You need to be spoken of well. No, it's not about you. It's not always about you. In fact, it's very rarely about you that somebody else is having a bad day. It's not because of you that your wife is in a bad mood. Well, actually, maybe, no. It's not because of you that your wife is in a bad mood. It's not because of you that the person in front of you is driving badly. No, we are called in the Scripture to give other people the benefit of the doubt. And that means that we have to have a thin skin and a soft heart. Not a thick skin and a hard heart. A thick skin with a soft heart means that, hey, I can allow offense to bounce off me and I have a big heart to contemplate, to think through, to understand other people. Just take a moment to wonder what other people are going through. So step number one to getting altitude, step number one to getting yourself up out of this offense, to move more towards the glory of God, well, that's to not give others a label. Number two, was to give others the benefit of the doubt. And finally, to live your life with this statement, I will forgive because I have been radically forgiven. We need to make allowance for other people's faults, says Colossians 3 and verse 13. We need to forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, 
so must you also forgive others. Now, when we think of the process of forgiveness, not taking offense, when we think of the process of forgiveness with the nation of Israel, and for those of you who aren't up to speed with the Levitical laws, well, the process of forgiveness under the Old Testament in the old part of the Bible was a big process. There were sacrifices involved. There was process involved. There were things that need to, had to be done. And there were, there were seven times seven had to be repaid. And if your ox gored out this man's ox, you had to repay him. And there was a process for every instance of forgiveness. Under the law, the process of forgiveness is a long one. But then Jesus came. And he made forgiveness real time. And so because of the forgiveness that Jesus has given us and the forgiveness that he gives us real time, every single time we have a bad thought, every single time we say the wrong thing, every single time we have the wrong motivation, he's forgiving us in real time. Thank the Lord we don't have to go through a process of getting his forgiveness anymore like the nation of Israel. No, we have real time forgiveness, real time received, real time given. We don't have to go through a process of forgiveness. Oh, you know, that was a big issue. That matter was big. I'm in the process of forgiveness. Wow, I'm blessed that Jesus Christ isn't in the process of forgiving me, that he has given me, forgiven me once for all time. And as a result, he's called me in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 to have the same kind of forgiveness as that he has for me, real-time forgiveness, not a process of forgiveness. You see, if I walk around saying that I will not label others, I will give others the benefit of the doubt, and I will forgive as I have been forgiven, slowly but surely you will gain altitude. Slowly but surely you will lift up out of regularly having the right to think that you can take offense, that you have the right to be angry, that you have the right to be malicious towards, that you have the right to dwell in offense. And as we lift up out of that right, we begin to stay extend ourselves heavenward. We begin to take off out of the, the blight of offense. And as our, as our flight takes up, we begin to grow, grow closer to the reflection of the glory of God. And we do that by saying, I have been forgiven and therefore I will be a forgiver. Now you might be thinking to yourself today, well, those three things are really easy when it comes to traffic and road rage. Yeah, I can apply that when it comes to that person who never says goodbye on the telephone or, or that person who, who always does this or does that or my mother-in-law who always comes over and washes the dishes even though everything is tidy and clean. I can apply those to the small things. I get you, Pastor Craig. Those three points really apply to those, those insignificant things. But what about the big things? What about the father that used to abuse me? What about the serious hurts, the major offenses when I really do have, even by a court of law, the right to take offense. Well, when you've been hurt the most, that's when God is calling you to forgive the most. What about when somebody has wronged somebody I really love, even murdered or killed somebody I really, really love? Remember, forgiveness isn't a process. That, that offense, that hurt, that airport car park still exists. It is still there. It's not completely wiped out by forgiveness. No, but we distance ourselves from that effect of that, forgive, of that issue. We distance ourselves from the repercussions of that hurt by pushing ourselves towards the glory of God's forgiveness. We, by pushing ourselves upwards and beyond. 
an airline pilot, knowing that on his flight path is a mountain and a big one. And he knows that if he flies at 1,000 feet above sea level, he will get over the buildings, he will get over some of the small hills, but he's never ever going to get over the mountain that he has to go across. And so what does the pilot do? The pilot slowly but surely pulls up on the stick to gain altitude so that he can cross the biggest issue. He can cross the biggest mountain. He's constantly pulling up. He's constantly checking his altitude. He's making sure that he's going through the steps to gain maximum altitude so that he can get over the obstruction. Hurt in your life is an obstruction. Hurt in your life can become a massive mountain that blocks you from the glory of God. And so what we need to be doing is as we take off, the small things need to drive us forward to get more altitude. Knowing that that being dropped off late at the airport, somebody cutting off you in the car is a small thing. And as we gain more and more altitude, by giving people the benefit of the doubt, by saying that I am forgiven and therefore I will forgive, by saying I will not label others. As we slowly but surely pull back on the stick, we're going to rise up above all of this offense. Just think about this. The higher you go, the smaller the small issues become. The higher you go, the smaller the small issues become. The closer you get to reflecting the glory of God's forgiveness and not taking offense at you, the more you are able to reflect that glory of forgiving others and not taking offense at them. And eventually, you'll be able to fly on over those small issues. And eventually, those big issues those serious hurts, those major offenses, those big mountains, those huge walls, those massive blocks that you've put up, slowly but surely, you will gain altitude over even those. You have the ability right now to be able to say, I am a forgiver because I have been forgiven. They will hurt me. I will be wronged. I have a I don't have a right to hold it against anybody. I don't have a right to be held against and held accountable to mistakes I've made. Therefore, I won't hold account on the mistakes that have been made to me. But these mistakes will cause hurt in my life. They will cause pain in my life. For some of you, you might be walking through some offense right now that is huge, that has legal repercussions, that has financial repercussions. Quite frankly, some of you might be having to look after other children because of what other people have done to those children. And there might be a big mess that goes around the hurt. But you only have a right to hold up forgiveness because that's what's been given to you. You have been given forgiveness and the right to leverage forgiveness. You don't have, you have not been given offense by God you haven't been given the right to hold on to offense to, by God. You have been given the right to walk in forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 says this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so God is saying, please, do it like I do it. He rose to the ultimate height of forgiveness. You can't get any higher than the altitude of the Father when it comes to the forgiveness of you and me. 
But somebody hurt me. Somebody abused me. Somebody I love was really hurt. I've been divorced and, and he did this and I had grounds for divorce. You probably have grounds for divorce, but you've got grounds for forgiveness in that divorce. Ephesians 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. In the moment of Passover, in the moment of rising above, in the moment of going over, in the moment of flying above the matter, the angel of the Most High God forgave the Israelites and he passed over their offense. When Jesus came, while you were still sinning, while you were still creating offense, he passed over that and covered that from his sight. You need to understand that as we begin to gain altitude in the big things, in the small things, we will gain altitude in the big things, in the things that have really caused hurt. Practice today in the traffic, giving forgiveness, not offense. And when the next thing comes along that causes you a little bit more hurt and matters a little bit more in your life, you will be in the practice of holding up forgiveness, not holding up offense. Maintain the altitude above the small things and grow in your appreciation of God's glory through forgiveness and watch even the major things becoming smaller. If you are faithful in what is least, you will be faithful in what is most. If you can forgive and not take offense in the small things, you will quickly learn how to forgive and not take offense in the bigger things. Get over the relatively meaningless things that cause you offense and get into the habit of getting over the larger things that cause you hurt. Know that hurt people cause people to be hurt, but forgiven people forgive others freely. I hope that you've learned in the meaningless things and in the hurtful things, the big things, that you can operate in making sure that you don't give other people labels, you give others the benefit of the doubt, and you forgive just as you have been forgiven. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online as we continue to journey through the Mirror Mirror series. I hope today that you have got something out of today's message. I hope that this session has encouraged you to press on and get over the matters of offense. In fact, right now, why don't you join in the chat room? Why don't you get to know somebody? Pray if you need prayer. Ask one of the hosts to, to pray over the issue of offense that you have in your heart or the journey that you're on in getting altitude. Remember, forgiveness is real time, but the process of applying that forgiveness and getting better at better at applying that real time forgiveness is something that we can go on and improve on all the time. Get involved in the chat right now. Click on live prayer if you need to. We'd love to be able to chat to you and get to know you a whole lot better. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend as we build up towards Easter. It's going to be an awesome weekend here at Victory Life Church Online, both this weekend and next weekend, and then also joining you for the finale of the Mirror Mirror series during the course of next week. Again, thank you so much for being with us. We hope that you are blessed, and we'll see you again really, really soon. Be blessed.